everybody, this is Diane, and I am just here to say, Wakanda forever! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to another conversation, another episode of This Conversation Rocks, featuring Alaska, or now Wakanda, <laughs> and Los Angeles. I have about, no, actually, the women in Wakanda have much better personal grooming habits than I do. <laughs> Uh, okay. I have about as much hair, but they have better personal grooming. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so I told Mr. Blog, Eric, hello again, Eric, that we would call this the benevolent prick episode because he has offended a few people with talking about um, politics and gun control and. He's like, I'm just, I'm just a prick. And I'm like, no, you're one of my favorite people. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm a benevolent prick. And I was like, okay, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, you know that witch hunters in England were called prickers? Because they tried to get people yeah. to bleed from their warts. Right, yeah, no, I know why, but yeah. I'm wondering if that's, I'm trying to figure out, I've oh. led to the question, what is the derivation and the origin of the word prick? I know, now you have to look it up. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. Well, we're starting out really strong, because we were we were kind of, not so much arguing as discussing and dissecting Black Panther before we came on today, so... And um, I, I thought your summary of Black Panther, we both saw it last night, obviously, in separate corners of the world. Um, you said, eh, it wasn't bad, and my wife loved it, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. That's true. Well, I, it wasn't bad. My wife did love it. I, I thought it was, was a really funny summary of the movie, and I, of course, obviously loved it. But I was telling Todd that I'm really good at just completely suspending disbelief and saying, I'm going to passionately love this thing because it belongs to Marvel. Or I'm going to passionately love this thing because it's related to The Walking Dead. You know? Or I'm going to passionately love this thing because Neil Gaiman touched it. Uh, all, all of which I get, you know? It's fair. I mean, right. I, I, have, I have my own obsessions and stuff, but... Um, yeah. No, so I, I admit that I am approaching it from a flawed place. Uh, you know, the thing the thing is is that I think more than anything, I'm just tired of Hollywood again. Not seeing a lot of original stuff. You know. Well, so. you know, I do have to admit that when the Mad Max movie came out, I was like, fucking really? We're going there again. So well, yeah. Yeah. And, and that actually turned out to be better than any of the original Mad Max films. And in, in all honesty, opinion. I haven't watched it. We own it. I haven't watched it. It's exactly what you think it is. It's just way better than you expect it to be. <laughs> I mean, Charlize Char uh, Char 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 Theron. Theron, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, can't go wrong. And um, the guy I can never remember, but he's been in everything. Um, he was Bane and... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hardy. I, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that dude is in everything, and I love the guy. But I, I can was going to say, I have, a, I have a friend who's a ginormous fan of his. In fact, he, he actually wrote me out a list of like all the things that he's been in, and said you have to watch all this stuff. And of course, <sighs> there's just so much good stuff to watch, and I'm so busy constantly. Yeah. In fact, Tom Hardy's going to be in 
Some new Marvel thing. Avengers Infinity War? No, Venom. Oh. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, apparently he's Venom. I don't know. Venom is Shit, a bad I, dude. I guess, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't do Spider-Man. So Interesting. I, just, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's a... So the movie, by the way, the Black Panther movie, for anybody who's still listening to this and is, hasn't seen Black <laughs> Panther, in the movie theater I saw it in, the movie runtime is two hours and three minutes. However, the time it took from the movie, from the time the lights went out to the time the lights came back on was two hours and 48 minutes. Um, Why would that be? Because the fucking previews went on forever. That's ridiculous. Or maybe no. Maybe it was only 30 minutes of previews. But yeah, that's right. It was 30 minutes of previews. So it went 2.33 from the time the lights went out. Right? See, that would piss me off. We had like three previews. So yeah, It's because you live in Alaska. That's right? One of the exactly. But I probably yeah, because... paid a lot more than you did. <laughs> I don't know. We saw it in IMAX. So. Ah. Uh, but yeah, so, and you know, honestly, all I can really remember is there's going to be a lot of dinosaurs, a lot of comic books, some dinosaurs eating comic books. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, somebody thought that they needed to make a prequel to Pacific Rim, you know, which is really, and it is now pretty clearly exactly what I thought the first one was going to be, which is big fucking robots fighting big fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> Well, the first one turned out to actually have a pretty decent story and everything. This one definitely looks like Transformers versus Jurassic World. Totally have never watched Pacific Rim. Surprisingly good sci-fi thing. Yeah, really. I mean, when when your prim when your basic premise is giant fucking robots fighting giant fucking dinosaurs, uh, you know, you know. It's, Basically, Godzilla versus whatever the fuck we're fighting today. So, you know me. I'm sitting here today gearing up because it's Walking Dead Day. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is what I live for. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't been listening, listen to Biters. Yeah. Where can we find, can we find Biters? You can find Biters on Southgate Media. We have a Facebook page, um, Biters, and um, we are hosted by Southgate Media, I believe, .com. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Biters. What a podcast sound like when you do actually have a podcast network <laughs> and sponsors behind you. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't think we have sponsors. We have a podcast network. <laughs> yeah, but, which has sponsors. Well... I'll tell you, I, I will tell you a funny story. So when Kirk and Jeff, who were the original hosts of Biters, were doing it, I kind of fell in love with it long before they asked me if I would become involved with it. And I started donating to, to the podcast via Patreon. So I pay like two fifty every time an episode comes out. And now I always laugh when I see that two fifty come out of my account because I'm like, now I'm paying myself to podcast. <laughs> And it's probably the only $2.50 that gets donated to Biter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there you go. So, I just think that's funny. It kind of gives me a giggle every time I see it. Uh, all right. I guess we so, should get serious, huh? 
So, as far as I can tell, the word prick actually derives from slang to prick using a dagger. So, you can see how it, how it morphed into... So, they're kind of current. related. Right, but I was thinking, man, I wonder if it had something to do with witch hunters. But, nope, never mind. Total rabbit hole. I don't know. I'm not satisfied with that answer. I think I think you may be closer to the truth. <laughs> I want to believe. Oh... Uh. <laughs> Hey, you remember that? You remember that uh, trope that uh, you know in the Middle Ages? You know, witches were burned all over Europe, but not so much in England. Right. Yeah, it's total bullshit. Really? Yeah, complete and utter. Did they do their fair share of of witchy barbecues in England, or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. In fact, there was a witch hunter in in uh, Britain uh, who uh, personally attested to sending over two hundred women to their end. Well, isn't so. that special? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this goes back to you know hearing something and going, That's, "It feels right," you know, versus "That's ah, actually right." Okay, now now you have to talk about where that kind of come came into the conversation before we got online together today, though. Oh, it's because I'm reading Sagan's book, uh, Carl Sagan's book, The Demon Haunted World, where he's talking about pseudoscience and, and basically things that fly in the face of the scientific method for proof, being able to prove. And interestingly enough, he's able to draw a straight line between um, you say? Demonic, yeah. demonic possession and uh, alien abduction. So. Anyway, if you're interested in that, check out the book. <laughs> I'm going to tell you another funny story, which once again totally delays what we were actually going to talk about today. But did I ever tell you about my short-lived experience podcasting the X-Files reboot? Yeah, you did. Yeah, so I remember that. For, for the folks who are listening, for the three people who are listening, we had a chance to interview William B. Davis, who is the guy who plays the cigarette-smoking man. And the person that I was podcasting with uh, is is really kind of Alex Jones, his 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 handmaid. And um it was so awful because William B. Davis is very intellectual, very funny, very dry, and totally not into conspiracy theories at all. He does right. not believe any of the stuff that the X-Files has peddled over the years doesn't believe anything about lizard people in the government or, and she kept trying to draw him back in to talk about those kinds of things. And I'm like trying to talk to, I read his autobiography before we interviewed him. So I'm trying to talk to him about his early career and about teaching at his acting studio in Canada. And it was just a fiasco. Yeah. Yeah, it's the problem, right? It's like if you believe if you believe it's going to be a problem. <laughs> that was definitely one of the things that made me decide that I didn't have time to do that podcast anymore. So here's the question I would have asked him. Just solely out of curiosity. Okay, does shoot. He, does he really smoke as much as they make it look like he does? <laughs> you know, I honestly can't remember if he addressed that in the book or not. 
Yeah. I mean, because if they made it look like that dude had to be an alien because 10 packs a day should just kill normal people. <laughs> you know what's really funny? So the Morley brand, and we are so totally down rabbit holes already, but the Morley brand is actually like an off, a, a fake off brand of cigarettes that is used as like the generic cigarette brand yeah. in many, many, yeah. many movies. It actually shows up in The Walking Dead. Yep. Same damn brand of cigarettes the Smoking Man smokes. By, by the way, can we finally acknowledge that uh, Thank You for Smoking actually had a point in that, you know, it's clear that the smoke, smoking industry is still paying people in Hollywood to put cigarettes in the movies and TV shows because, honestly, there's no reason for it, right? Because so few people smoke anymore. Well, I shouldn't say so few people, but maybe I'm skewed by the population that I see in primary care. No, it's true. It's, it, I mean, the numbers are down in the United States in particular. But, um, but yeah, I just always laugh when I see somebody smoking because I can't figure out what purpose it's serving for the plot, you know? I don't know, man. Yeah, so, I mean, like, cigarette smoking guy, well, you know. That was that was, that was just thing. part of his evil, you know. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, rabbit holes. <laughs> well, so, but the 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 big bad sinkhole that I wanted to go down today actually has to do with following the money and advertising and all of that kind of stuff too. So, we're kind of slowly digging our way toward that sinkhole. All right, what are we talking about today? Finally, what are we talking about? Well, so you know me, I felt like we had to talk about Parkland. All right. And part of the reason I felt like we had to talk about Parkland is that even the cynic in me is feeling a little bit hopeful watching these pissed off teenagers. It's interesting, and we can definitely work our way through some of this stuff, because Honestly, when it happened, I was uh, as it was happening, I was having a conversation with a client, and we're like, "Yep, it sucks, and nothing is going to change." Right, it sucks, and here we go again. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Twenty-four hours in the news cycle. Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is interesting, and you know maybe it's just you know. This isn't exactly how I expected people to wake up. No. The, sec- the second year into the Trump administration, but maybe this is maybe this is like way or the first year actually. We haven't even started really started the second, but maybe this is way better, right? You know, between the Me Too movement, you know, the the stuff coming out of Florida about Parkland and everything. You know, maybe this is a much better revolution. I do feel like part of the reason that we are seeing some traction is that people are sick of the shit out of Washington. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because that's what got him elected. Right. And it's now rapidly starting to look like it's going to be what gets him unelected. God, from your lips to God's ears. God doesn't listen to me. You know this. <laughs> From your lips to Carl Sagan's ghost ears. <laughs> Somebody, right? <laughs> so I thought I thought we start I thought we start today with fuck that guy, and because the what I want to talk about there, 
then you know is the background and everything for everything else we're going to talk about okay um somewhere in the midst of the background i want to work in some conversation about the origin of mass shootings in the u.s so i think we're kind of along the same lines okay fair enough so where i want to start is uh lapierre oh god and so who who did not make my fuck that guy only because i was so unimpressed with dana loesch who i will talk about go ahead okay um gun control advocates and the media quote hate the nra hate the second amendment they hate individual freedom Absolutely. I completely hate individual freedom. <laughs> and I just I I just want to stop for a second and go, what the fuck are you even talking about? Because, sir, my individual freedom is that I don't get shot, that my kids don't get shot, that my neighbor doesn't get shot. I think that's more important individual freedom than anything else. So that we you, don't get fucking shot. Did you watch him at CPAC? No, I do not have the time nor the stomach any longer to watch things like that. So I made the mistake of getting up early enough one morning to have my coffee and just kind of chill before I went to work. And, and it just so happened that MSNBC was live streaming CPAC. <laughs> and so I got my first introduction to Dana Loesch, who is the new spokeswoman for the NRA. And then I got followed up by her, Wayne LaPierre. Yeah. And I was like, am I really fucking watching this? Yeah, I'm really fucking watching this. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Yeah, I'm not sure why I did either, but it made me sick. Yeah, I bet. So what did uh, what did the spokeswoman say? Oh, my God. So let me get to the right spot in my notes, because she just she pissed me off so bad. And I have to completely admit some of my own inherent sexism in being angry because I think I reacted to her so strongly for the same reason that I act react so strongly to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'm like, you are a woman. You should be a little smarter than this. You should have some motherly instinct. Even if you're not a mother, you should give a shit. So it, I, I actually really even more strongly react to women who are being stupid than to men, which is kind of weird, right? I, no, I get it. Actually, I totally get it. I admit it, though. I totally admit it. So so she spoke at CPAC. She introduced Wayne LaPierre, and she said that the media loves mass shootings because of the ratings. And I am going to give you a direct quote. Crying white mothers are ratings gold. Now, there is so much in that that's so offensive. I'm going to start with the white mothers thing. Apparently brown mothers who cry are not ratings gold because that's just kind of part of their lives it's when you lose someone who's white that it's a big deal and then to say that that the media loves mass shootings nobody loves mass shootings no one out there is that sick except perhaps the nra because they see their profits and the profits of gun makers skyrocket every fucking time this comes up because someone starts talking gun control and people are like oh my god i can't get my ar i better buy one now yep which is exactly where they wanted to go right away and now let's spin the rant wheel <laughs> Yes, I am stealing that from John Lovett. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> 
not the crappy actor, the really hilarious comedian who was a speechwriter for Barack Obama, who has Love It or Leave It. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so she just really bothered me. And then she tried to co-opt the, um, the language that they use, that Emma Gonzalez used in speaking about being a survivor of the shooting, where she, you, you probably saw the clips of her speech where she was like, you know, the gun lobby says we can't do X, Y, or Z, and we as survivors call BS. We call BS. So Dana Loesch tried to steal that language. And then she actually, in several different parts of her speech, blamed the FBI for dropping the ball on mass shooters. Right, yeah, which is a... Which is just right in line with Donald Trump trying to discredit the FBI. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's, the truth is, the FBI did have, did have notice on this guy and they blew it. I mean... They that, did, that's... but she actually, in her speech, made it sound like they knew about every mass shooting we've talked about in the last five oh, years yeah. and had totally blown it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just... Uh, so, I mean, the problem is is that once you're on the tinfoil brigade... <laughs> right. And I mean, I think a lot of it is that way, right? I mean, like... Yeah, to some some degree, you know, there's something very cynical about Alex Jones, right? But on the other hand, oh, I've got Alex Jones on my list too. <laughs> you know, the guy, the I don't, I don't think that it is possible to be so cynical that you just spew stuff that you know to be complete utter nonsense. No, I actually think that this woman believes the shit that she's saying. Right, and I think that's one of the problems, right? Is that you know, and she would say that about me. I mean, she would hear me talking right now, and she'd be like, "That woman's a crazy bitch." But I think she actually believes what she's saying. No, no, no. She'd just say that you're a, a race traitor and uh, <laughs> a false, false flag operative, and right? Whatever other nonsense goes in that narrative. Which, before but... you go to your next fuck that guy, I do want to bring up our dear old friend Alex Jones, who said, and I quote. <laughs> That the kids from Parkland School are actually just crisis actors. Right, right. This is, again, there's a whole lot of this tinfoil brigade shit happening here. Which basically means that he thinks that these survivors didn't actually survive the shooting, and they're just people being paid by George Soros to come out in favor of gun control. Which, man, the whole thing with Soros, right? Like, this, this whole conspiracy thing just fucking gets weirder and weirder. You I know, just want to know where my fucking check from George Soros is. <laughs> you and I have been representing for like two years now, and I haven't seen a fucking dime. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't hold her your breath. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Don't spoil my illusions. But um, yeah, this is interesting, right? Because George Soros is, of course, also part of this other conspiracy to bring down the uh, the governor of Missouri. Oh, right. The guy who had the the squicky affair, right? Yeah, well, and you, so the Missouri governor, Greitens, was indicted by a grand jury on felony invasion of privacy because he took nude photos of his mistress and then distributed oh, them on the internet. Oh, okay. Different right. guy. I'm thinking of a different guy. I'm thinking of Alabama. Right. I mean, this this guy, this guy, this guy's fucking wild too, right? But he's like, um, 
Missouri Republican Party Chief Sam Cooper suggested Greitens' indictment was motivated by politics. Well, sure, we'll give you that one. Right, that's fair. <laughs> I'm willing to accept that, I agree. And mentioned how Soros-backed groups had donated $200,000 to St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. Gardner launched the investigation into Greitens' affair in January when accusations emerged that Greitens threatened. Here's the key thing. Accusations emerged that Greitens threatened to use a nude photo to blackmail his former hairstylist with whom he was having the affair. I, I think that's kind of illegal, isn't it? That whole, I'm going to post nudies of you and blackmail you with them. Right. Right. So this this guy then continues that Missourians should see this for what it is, a political hit job. Um, the law has never been prosecuted in this way, and it's safe to say if Eric Greitens wasn't governor, it wouldn't have been this time either. So let's break that down for just a second. Um, just because you receive money from Soros or the Koch brothers, for that matter. Right. Um, how that actually translates into a prosecution, it's a kind of a stretch, but okay. But at the end of the day, did the fucker do it? Yeah, he fucking did it. So he broke the law. <laughs> right. You know, Kim Gardner could have received zero dollars from George Soros. She could have written a check to George Soros. And it, <laughs> it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the fact that he did what he did, right? Right and, on, man. You know. Anyway, the news article then, this is the Washington Post, but they, you know, which is also part of that vast left-wing conspiracy, just in case yes. anybody doesn't know it. Yes. <laughs> but Soros, a billionaire philanthropist and leader, leading donor to liberal causes, mm -hmm. has become a boogeyman to conservative figures who see him as a political machine and oppose the causes he supports. Some conservatives view the 86-year-old in a nefarious light, particularly after he donated to groups trying to stop uh, President Bush's re-election bid and his vocal opposition to the Iraq war. Because um, that makes him nefarious. Yeah, well, I mean, and his donations backing democratic reform in the United States and across the globe, including his support for African-American and Hispanic candidates and reducing racial disparities in prison sentencing, have been viewed by some conservatives as a step towards a larger secretive scheme. I love that part. Dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, so anyway... You know, Greitens, um, God, we're so down these rabbit holes, but Greitens uh, is kind of, he's Trump, right? Like at the gubernatorial level, right? Um, you know, increasing number of uh, Missouri Republic, or Republican, ah, sorry, Missouri lawmakers from both parties have demanded that Greitens resign ever since uh published article of a covert recording by Greitens' former hairstylist's ex-husband. In it, the hairstylist is heard describing how Greitens invited her to his home and with her consent taped her hands to exercise rings and blindfolded her, at which point then he allegedly took the naked photos without her knowledge. Dear heavens, he's a little bit of a gangster, isn't he? <laughs> This, I this would is... I would almost say good for him if he wasn't such an asshole about the whole thing. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I mean, the problem the problem is is that this guy this guy's doing all kinds of other stuff that's driving people crazy on both sides of the aisle too. You know, the guy was a Navy SEAL, uh, and as far as I can tell, has never held office. 
you know. Until he became the governor? Right. Wow. But, you know, fucking Trump, right? Yeah, right. Fucking, Good point. Fucking, fucking Missouri, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, this is George Soros, right? So... Where the fuck are we in this? Um, so we're we're Alex Jones, the kids who are speaking out about Parkland are crisis actors who are getting paid off by George Soros. Right, 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 right. Okay, so you know, and these kids have rightly said, "Hey, we're not," and "Hey, fuck you," and "Hey, listen to us. We shouldn't have to fear for our lives going to school." And when we're uh, done with our fuck that guys, I really do want to kind of turn this around and turn it into a hall of honorable mention because there are some pretty cool people involved in this process of keeping parkland in our minds and and making this go forward as something that could potentially change the landscape right because here's the thing right these kids then organized protests and went to the state legislature they went to the cnn town hall with marco rubio you know and um the state legislature refused to debate there was a bill that could have been brought forward for debate on on gun control and stuff uh when these kids were there and they categorically refused to do it can you believe that i mean of course yes the answer is yes of course i can believe that but oh my god talking about shitting on these kids oh right and then so then it starts to get kind of strange (laughs) it starts to get kind of strange yeah, because then all of a sudden you've got Florida Governor Rick Scott saying, hey, you know what? We need to change the law so that you have to be 21 to buy a gun. And I'm just like, huh? Why would Rick Scott? Okay, <laughs> so here's what I want to say, and don't let me drag you off of your point, because I suspect that your point is probably a little different than mine, but I'm getting really pissed off by these distractions. Finally picking up the issue of bump stocks again and saying, okay, we'll look at banning bump stocks. That's a fucking distraction. There was no bump stock involved in this shooting. Yes, I know it was involved in Vegas. There was no bump stock involved in this shooting. Number two, raising the gun purchase age from 18 to 21. Okay, big deal. So you have a demographic of a three-year slice of people who will not legally be able to get an AR. But, you know, I heard a quote this morning, and it was shocking. 40% of guns that change hands in the United States change hands without any kind of background check because it's their private sales. Right. So you're not going to stop an 18-year-old from getting an AR. You're just going to stop an 18-year-old from going in and doing a background check and getting an AR like the shooter in this incident did. Absolutely correct. And the other thing is, so the reason I think that the NRA is freaked out about the gun purchase age being raised from 18 to 21 is, oh my God, that's a lot of gun purchases that they're not going to benefit from. And a lot of NRA memberships that, that might not happen. And it's all about the fucking money. Yeah. And finally, the other thing that I want to bring up that I think is just a total distraction that's really pissing me off is this whole arming teachers thing. Is this the stupidest fucking thing you have ever heard? We were going to get... We're going to get uh, there? Okay. I was, as, I, as I said to my wife the other night, I said, only in America would the answer to these shootings be that we need to give more people guns. Right? And not only uh, that, but give them to people who interact with our most vulnerable people every day who are insanely busy, underpaid, understaffed, 
we're going to ask those people to take on this additional burden of carrying a gun and trying to figure out who they should shoot in a crisis situation. And surprise, that might be one of your former students or one of your current students. Right. Ah! <laughs> so, so the first thing I had to figure out, though, right, was like, okay, what actually is the law today with regards to purchasing guns, so right? I was talking with Nick about this this morning, and I think it's highly variable from state to state. It is, but we'll start with the federal, right? Because the state laws can't be more lax than the feds, okay. I don't think. Okay. I don't think. But maybe they can be. But anyway, for the feds, right? And it's just weird out of the gate. Handguns. Licensed. If you're a licensed firearm dealer, you cannot sell a handgun or ammunition to any person under the age of 21. So here's the thing that I heard about that is that basically the whole thought behind that is handguns have a higher lethality and are used in more homicides than a long gun. And well, the that's... AR is still considered to be a long gun. Right, but we're not... Hold on. Okay, keep going. Sorry. But here's here's the problem. If you are an unlicensed person, you may not sell a handgun to anybody under the age of 18. So if you actually have a, a fucking permit to sell guns, you actually have worse restrictions than if you were just dealing them out of the back room with right. a private transfer. If you're, one of that 40, if you're one of that 40% doing the private transfer, it's fair game. It's fair fucking game. What the fuck is that, right? Yeah. Uh, long guns, it's 18, right? Yeah. And the AR, at least in Florida, I don't know nationally. Wait, and, it, and it gets worse because long guns, if you're, it, that's 18 for licensed firearm dealers. Unlicensed persons may sell, deliver, or otherwise transfer a long gun or long gun ammunition to a person of any age. Right. So again, if you're selling this stuff out of your back, out of the back of your house, just because you know. I mean, you don't have to do anything. You can sell it to a two-year-old. That's what the law says. No, you can no, sell no. It to a I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, so I mean, the thing is. So where is Rick Scott in all of this? So he is theoretically talking about changing Florida gun law, but really only again on the people who have who are licensed firearm dealers. Right, but here's but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right, so you look up the laws right now in Florida, right? Okay. And I am. This is the lawcenter.giffords.org. Okay, Giffords Law Center. Um, I'm sure it's a well-known bastion of anti-NRA propaganda, but <laughs> Are, they're is the only. This, is this related to Gabby Giffords? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just questioning that. In in fairness, looking yeah. at the source. Yeah. So anyway. Um, Position, purchase of a long gun and possession of a long gun is 18, right? Right. They don't say anything about handguns, which means the federal statute would apply. Okay. Which is, you can't be 21, you got to be 21 anyway. So again, I'm not entirely sure what Rick Scott is raising the age on. You know, buying a long gun to 21? It's all distraction. Yeah. I don't think he's even I don't think he's even talking about raising the age on long guns. I think he's talking specifically about raising the age on the AR. Which okay, so let me let me let me get to my problems with gun control for just a second. Okay. You go right? there. Bump stocks and all this shit, right? 
if the last time we did it is any example, then all we're going to end up doing, again, distractions, all we're going to end up doing is we're going to say, as of today, you can no longer buy or sell bump stocks. But right. any bump stocks that are, are that exist currently are grandfathered in. You won't have to turn those in or anything. And because that's what we did last time with the big weapon assault weapons ban that everybody likes to still tout right. as being you know so important, but was actually in a lot of ways really useless. Because the thing is, if if we change any laws, but we don't get rid of the existing supply, then there was no point in changing the laws. Because what happened last time was large capacity magazines were banned. Well, specifically, the new production and sales of new product, newly produced was banned. However, anything that was in existence, that was fine. And you could still buy and sell those. Right? So I have a question for you. And I think this is a relatively small phenomenon, but it's interesting to me. Have you seen those videos of people who are turning their ARs over to the police who are cutting their ARs up, who are doing various things to say, this is one AR I'm taking out of circulation. I have not. This is this is something that has started happening on a small scale since Parkland. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, all of this is a good thing, but I just want to be cautious. Not that I don't want to do something here to actually fix this problem. I want us to all be very cautious, though, about believing that people are going to do something right like i said even the cynic in me is hopeful but the cynic in me is still alive and thriving <laughs> i mean i think that we will do some of these things that that we have you and i have listed as distractions yeah. but but do i think that they are things that will accomplish greater safety for our kids and for you and i probably not right right and the problem is, the problem is, if we go after, if you go after uh, AR-15s, you just rebrand the AR-15, don't you? It's no longer an AR-15. And what? And the other thing is, though, it doesn't do anything about the 300 or 400 other weapons that are eh, mostly the equivalent of an AR-15, right? And see, I'll be honest, I'm not well versed enough in my gun lore to know how many other guns there are out there, what guns would be impacted by legislating the AR-15, or if only legislating the AR-15, if, if it only pertains to legislating the AR-15. I don't know. I don't, right. have a, I don't have a good answer there. So, semi-automatic rifles, right? Wikipedia. Semi-automatic rifles, right? And then two, four, six, eight. Call it 35. Roughly 150, 170 models of semi-automatic rifles just listed on the Wikipedia page, right? So would those all be touched by AR-15 legislation or would only the AR-15? I guess it depends on how you word the, the legislation. Right, and I guarantee you. And I, uh, first of all, I guarantee you there's somebody listening going, you fuckers don't understand. And that's fair. Right, right? totally, you know, totally. I will yeah. admit that completely. But my point is, is that, you know, 
if we're not going to if we're not going to be able to do something about all of them then what is the point of doing something about one of them although i have to say and i read a great argument written by one of my good friends um who i hope listens to the podcast but i suspect she doesn't if if you at least do something even if it's wrong do something because it's better than doing nothing under a circumstance like this so maybe we legislate one gun and make that gun a little harder to get at least we've done something. No, actually, I disagree because Do you? All, all we've done is convince ourselves that we did something. Interesting. Now, if we want to do something where we raise the age across the board, right? Okay, I'll say that that was doing something, right? If we want to... I don't, so I, that's actually funny because require, I don't if, feel like that would actually do something because of the 40% of... Of gun sales that have nothing to do with any of the laws that we're talking about. Right. Well, maybe you're right, right? You know, this is the problem with, with serious conversations about gun control, in my opinion. It's not a problem. It's not a problem to say, oh, we're going to do something. It's a problem to actually do something of any value. But... You know, maybe it goes back to, and I know I'm being completely trite here, so you can totally hate on me for being trite, but maybe it's that old story of the starfish, you know, the person who's walking down the beach soaring starfish or sand dollars, depends on which story you, you read, back into the ocean, and someone says, what are you doing? There are so many here who are going to die. You're not helping anything. And the person picks up the starfish or the sand dollar and says, but I've helped this one. It's a good story. I like that story. But, <laughs> so, but, you know, it goes back to if you're going to do something, do something, even if it's wrong. Yeah, that was the argument for prohibition. Well, and we, and we, was, and we changed yeah. because it was wrong. Yeah, so, but we created so many problems in the interim. And this is the thing. I guess this is my reason, my concern, right, is we... The last time we did this, we made Glock one of the biggest companies in the world. Well, and I, I mean, I do think that's a fair concern and a fair argument because of what we talked about. People rushing for these guns and these various alterations to guns if they feel like they're not going to be able to get them legally at some point, rushing and, and buying them now. Right. I mean, I you think know. that's a fair argument. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I know... I don't either. That's the problem. And I know I just, that we cannot continue down the path that we're on. That I, we can, yes. We absolutely are in agreement there. And the question is, how do we fix this? And I don't know. I don't know. And I'm starting to wonder if, you know, the, the bottom line is we just can't have guns. I don't know. Well, you know... There's a kid who is one of the kids who's really active in the Parkland movement and who is a survivor of the Parkland shootings. And he brought up Australia as an example. And he's like, you know, how many mass shootings Australia's had since its buyback program after the massacre that they had? None. No mass shootings. None. Right. See, there's a lot to be said for that. But the and other thing is, is, you know, I have to preface this by saying... I and I should have prefaced this by saying, and I've said it before on this podcast, I own a gun. We have a, a tactical shotgun. I have a Sig Sauer. We've got hunting rifles. We own guns. 
Sure. You know, do I want those guns to be taken away? Not particularly, but do I want those guns to be used in a mass shooting? Fuck no. (laughs) You know, so horribly mixed feelings. And, and, you know, I will also really honestly admit that I have been treated for depression for years. So does my mental health bar me from owning a gun? Maybe so under some of the proposed legislation. Yeah. I, you know, I just don't know. But I mean, the thing is to drive and operate and own a motor vehicle, right? The motor vehicle has to be registered, you know? I don't understand why we have such a problem about guns. Well, and I see people who circumvent that all the time. But you know what? For the most part, we've done something and we've done something that has has worked for the most part. Right. Yeah. Nothing's going to yeah. Nothing's going to prevent somebody from getting shot in this country. That's that's just not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how the fuck do we stop this ever increasing trend of high school students walking in and shooting up their high school. Right. Well, let me give you a couple of stats because this was really shocking to me. So the number of mass shootings that we have had in this country in 2018, just in 2018 alone, and we are recording today on March. I'm sorry, not we're not even in March. We're recording today on February 25th. This right. stat is from four days ago. Um Sorry, you can hear my paper rattling because I'm so unprofessional. There have been 34 mass shootings in the United States in 2018 already. In 2017, there were 346 mass shootings. Now, I am using the definition that the FBI uses of mass shootings, which is four or more victims in a single spree. Serial killers and spree killers who have multiple killings at different sites are um, typically counted in separate categories. Right. And also are a smaller number than what television would lead you to believe. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I want to talk a little tiny bit before we get to Hall of Honorable Mention, because we could go on forever today. Um, Just about the origin of mass shootings or like the first mass shooting in the U.S., because I didn't know this. I thought this was kind of interesting. And I'm and I'm going to preface this by saying, arguably, mass murder happened during colonization There are people who would say that Wounded Knee represents one of our earliest mass shootings in the country. (laughs) It's genocide shit, yeah. Right, and that is legit, right? But what we're really talking about here is the lone wolf type of mass shooting that we've seen at Parkland, that we saw at the Pulse Club in Orlando, that we saw in Vegas. So that's really what we're talking about. So right. for, according to Smithsonian Magazine, the first mass shooting happened on Labor Day in, in the U.S. happened on Labor Day in 1949. The first recorded, well-documented one. This guy named Howard Unruh, 28-year-old white male, engaged in what became known as the Walk of Death. And he killed 13 people and wounded three. And basically what happened was he started to kind of perseverate on all of these insults and slights that he perceived that his neighbors were giving to him. And decided to act on it by killing them. Oh, fucking awesome. And um, he, let's see, had a Luger 9mm. He had two clips and 33 loose cartridges and killed 13 people and wounded three in 20 minutes. Yep. Um, Same article cited that the U.S. has 5% of the world's population, but one-third of the world's mass shootings between 1966 and 2012. Yeah. 
And I thought this was kind of cool because I actually have read things by this author and she's very interesting to me. So there's a woman named Catherine Ramsland who is a professor of forensic psychiatry. She actually wrote this really awesome book called Ghost that I would highly recommend if anybody is interested in the phenomenon of ghost hunting, which is totally different and totally anti-Carl Sagan. Uh, <laughs> but she's fascinating. This woman has, is, is many-faceted. She said that this guy actually is a template for lone wolf mass shooters, and he fits the profile because of his rigid temperament, his inability to accept frustration or people not treating him as he expects to be treated, and his general feeling of isolation from people. And it's really true. I mean, we see that in so many of these folks who, so many of these men, really, who have perpetrated the mass shootings that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was really interesting is this guy actually was trained in the armored field artillery in World War II, and he fought as a relief fighter at Bastogne at the Battle of the Bulge. And his brother said that when he came back from World War II, he was never the same. So obviously this is a person who experienced a high level of trauma that impacted his perception of reality. Right. Which which led to his his crime, most likely. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that's super interesting about that is that when you look at some of the mass killers, like this kid, Nicholas Cruz, who shot these kids in Parkland, these kids and teachers in Parkland... Um, just the little bit that we have learned about his history leads me to believe that he's probably experienced some really significant trauma in his life. Both of his parents are dead. I'm not sure how his parents died. They died um, separately from one another, so it's not like there was a massive accident that took both of them out or that he was the person who took both of them out. Um, he's been kicked out of various schools. He was described as, as a scary kid by kids from Parkland who have known him for a long time. Right. So, you know, it just, it's about not just the access to weapons, but there is that mental health aspect as well. There is that exposure to extreme trauma. Oh yeah, of course. And, that's the thing, right? We got to do more about mental health in this country than we're doing, man. Right. We really do. Which, um, which kind of, if you're okay with it, leads me a little bit toward turning this into a hall of uh, hall of honorable mention. Sure, let's get out of this. <laughs> yeah, let's get out of the hellhole that is the fuck that guy realm. Um, so there are a couple of movements that have been really active since the Parkland shooting. One is the one that was founded by the the kids who are survivors of Parkland, which is the hashtag never again that they've been operating under. But I became aware of this yesterday. There's another hashtag called arm me with. And if you look it up, so it's arm me with, I want to make sure I articulate myself clearly. It's actually teachers who are holding up signs that say things like arm me with the ability to spend more time with a troubled kid. Arm yeah. me with school supplies. Arm me with an adequate salary. So it's really teachers commenting on this ridiculous idea that's being pushed by Donald Trump right now of of arming our teachers with weapons, with guns. So, yeah. so those those hashtags and the originators of those hashtags are definitely in my hall of honorable mention. Absolutely, and it's the thing is that these kids we gotta we gotta support these kids. Yeah. In their effort to make politicians listen to them. 
and all I'm saying is, yeah, don't be complacent about, oh, they're going to do something. Everybody's agreed we're going to do something. We're going to do something when we do do something, or at least something that looks like we did something. Yeah. Bill Clinton did the Bill Clinton did this in the '90s, and he didn't help us either. So, and look at it clearly. I mean, I think you're exactly right there. Look at it clearly. D- did it really help? Did it really make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. Do something, but then reevaluate the thing that you did. Uh. So I just want to um, name a couple of these kids because they have just impressed me so much, and I'm I'm sure that that I am missing names i'm sure that there are other kids who have been active who i haven't seen and i know that there are parents who've been active who i'm not naming but there's a young man named david hogg who has appeared on multiple different news programs he's a survivor of the shooting he is very articulate very passionate and he basically says look i'm old enough to vote many of us are and if you are taking money from the nra and if you're not listening to us you're out you're done Excellent. Yeah, I just, I mean, he he's just incredibly articulate and incredibly passionate, and I wish that I had had his wherewithal when I was his age. He's he's amazing. Um, there was another kid named Sam Zeif. Zeif, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. It's Z E I F. He was at the quote listening session at the White House, and he was so articulate and so well spoken, and and just broke my heart. The, the way that he addressed Donald Trump was very eloquent. And, of course, um, Donald Trump c- couldn't hold a candle to this kid. So I just really want to bring him forward. And then Emma Gonzalez, who is the girl who coined the We Call BS as she was giving her speech. I just want these motherfuckers in the NRA to know that the face of the generation that's going to take them down is a Latin lesbian woman. Yeah. And I think that's a thing of beauty. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, I also want to name some of the things that these kids have done. So they've staged walkouts and they've gotten kids in other school districts around the country to do walkouts. They have been partially responsible for staging a die-in of 17 people at the gates of the White House. Uh, The NRA is losing sponsorships right and left. Yeah, I saw that. That was good. I mean, we're talking sponsorships from like Enterprise Rent-A-Car, from various different airlines, the bank card that was being um, released from uh, one of the banks and big banks in Omaha, Nebraska, basically said we're not going to release an NRA bank card anymore. We're, We're not going to endorse that because we've had so many complaints. And it's because these kids are keeping this alive and in our faces. This is all positive. Yeah, and I mean, this all, is... and and this is the thing. I said a week, two weeks ago, this is all very surprising. Yeah, um, a couple of other things that I want to bring up. So on March twenty fourth, there is a national month. The uh, let me try that again. A national march being sponsored by these kids called March for Our Lives, and it is it's basically kind of like the women's march, the science march, and it's it's marching in favor of some sort of action on limiting access to these high-powered semi-automatic weapons. Um, these kids have managed to organize, the, start to organize this, and they've gotten commitments from Oprah, George and Amal Clooney, and Steven Spielberg of $500,000 each to make this happen. 
which is kind of impressive. Right? And so I'm going to say, I don't know where I'm going to be on March 24th. I hope I'm going to be somewhere where I can march. If I'm not, I'm going to be there in spirit. And I would really encourage the people who are listening to us who are passionate about this to, to look for a march in your area and support these kids. Absolutely. So, so what's different? You know, what's different in these kids? One of the things that, that I've seen posited, posited, excuse me, is that their access to an understanding of tech and social media is something that's really made a big difference. I, I think that there's some truth to that. I also think that there's just generally right now in the country, it's like, hey, you know what? We've had enough of a lot of this shit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when these now all of a sudden the stuff that should have gotten traction years ago is starting to. But, you know, that could be me just rewriting history. So I think, you know, one of the facts that I read that was really interesting, and I, I hadn't thought about it until I looked at this this morning. Do you know the first iPhone didn't come out until eight years after Columbine? No, I, I did not know. I that. didn't know it either. And so it really is a good argument that the technology that these kids have access to and things like Twitter and Facebook um, are really helping them keep their movement alive. The other thing is, and, and this has been said in numerous settings, so I'm repeating, I'm not coming up with any kind of original idea, is that, you know, the kids who were killed at Sandy Hook and the kids who survived Sandy Hook were not old enough to get out there and stir shit up the way these kids are. These kids are old enough to have a voice and to make themselves heard. That's true. That's true. And um, here is something. there is something about the... The fact that you need the right group of people. Right. Right. Um, you know, um, uh, yeah, it shouldn't, but it's the way it really works. It is the way it really works. I mean, you need, you need faces that everyone can relate to and understand. And you need people who, quite frankly, are people who have previously identified as conservative and who have previously identified as gun rights advocates who are now looking each other in the face and saying, I can't support this any longer. Right. And I mean, these kids come from a relatively well-off community in Florida that is not a big bastion of liberalism in, in some ways. So people who have been a part of the gun rights movement are starting to see people who look like them voice off opposite opinions. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Also, I just want to believe Florida's tired of getting shot the fuck up. <laughs> right? One would hope. One would really hope. Um, I do have, when we're ready to wrap up some information about Marjorie, Marjorie, I think it's Marjorie. Yeah. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, who is the, um, the person for whom their school was named. Okay. Lay it out. Are we ready? Do you think to sure. kind of close it yeah. down? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was an American journalist who lived from 1890 to 1998. So she died at 108, which I thought was just amazing in and of itself. Um, she was described as a journalist, a suffragette, a conserva conservationist. Um, she was actually really active in the conservation movement to help protect the Everglades. And so this school is named after her. And this is a quote that's been floating around the internet since the shooting. 
that's attributed to her, and I thought it was amazing. It is, um, be a nuisance where it counts. Do your part to inform and stimulate the public to join your action. Be depressed, discouraged, and disappointed at failure and greed and corruption and bad politics, but never give up. Excellent. So I think that goes to what we were saying, you know, which is, for fuck's sake, do something. Yeah. Real. And, and and real. and recognize that say that recognize that everything doesn't work out and that everything that looks like something isn't something and be disappointed in that be depressed about that but keep moving forward yep and so of course i do have a um a neil gaiman quote to finish us off with okay finish us <laughs> off and this is also a gun quote so gaiman says i believe that in the battle between guns and ideas, ideas will eventually win because ideas are invisible and they linger and sometimes they can even be true. And then he has a Latin quote, Eper si mueve. I'm probably not saying that right. And yet it moves. And what that means is the earth moves. Right. Yeah, Galileo's famous yes. quote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which he probably never said, but... Right, exactly. That's so true. I was reading about it because I was trying to figure out what it means. And and there were many there have been many people who said Galileo never really said that, but you know the point that Gaiman is making is that you know the Earth really does move sometimes. Oh yeah, you know I mean this is the thing right in scientific method and all that stuff right, actual truth, real truth. Right, <laughs> going back to Sagan again. You know, it, it does end up carrying the day. That book is definitely on my wish list on Kindle. I just have to wait for an, or not on Kindle on uh, Audible. I just have to, have to wait for another credit now. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's really good, and it just really reinforces to me why uh, it's a lot of fun to believe in magic, but I don't. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. We have a long history there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Which someday we may get into, but not today. Yeah. Uh. uh... It's a lot of fun to believe in a lot of things, but that doesn't make them remotely true. Right. So, um, postscript for the the uh, the the coal company that was suing John Oliver. Oh, okay. Uh, um, the judge threw the case out. Oh, good. Good for John Oliver. Be because it turns out that turns out that you know. Um, it is, in fact, freedom of speech. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know, right? This is crazy, you know. Um, yeah, they wanted um, financial damages and barring rebroadcast for defamatory statements. The judge, um, what did he say here? Oh yeah, that uh, that the coal company Murray uh, <laughs> failed to have a claim. So, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking that judge is probably not one of the numerous Trump appointees that have gotten through. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, as you're reading the news and paying attention to everything out there and stuff, just keep asking yourself, what would Carl Sagan do? And there you go. I like that. <laughs> WWCSD. 
<laughs> that's going to be one of our new corners from now on you know we have our hall of honorable mention we have our fuck that guy we're going to have to have the, the WWCSD yeah. corner sounds good All sounds right. good well I suppose we should wrap it up thanks to anybody who's still listening I would like to say Mr. Blog Eric is listening my friend Margie who lives in um, rural Alaska I probably should be fair to her and not name the town is still listening love you Margie thank you Excellent. Yeah. It it makes me feel good that that a handful of people still listen and, and talk to me about what we're doing. Cause yep. I, I sure enjoy the heck out of it. Me too. Me too. All right. All right, man. I Time love you. Go. We will talk to you uh maybe next week, maybe a couple of weeks from now, but we'll get another episode out here soon. Okay. All right. Everybody take care. I can't believe what I found in daddy's sock drawer, sock drawer today. It was a pistol, a Smith and Wesson. Holy, holy shit. La 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 la.